Hey everybody, welcome to The Well. My name is Christian and I'm so glad that you're here. Our hope is that during your time with us, you can acquire some relevant and practical resources to aid you in your journey with teenagers. This is episode three, which is all about responding to teen culture. So without further ado, welcome to The Well. Well, good afternoon, good evening, good day, whatever time it is you're listening. We are glad that you were with us for the well. This is actually our third episode. Episode three. Part two of Understanding Teen Culture. So uh, yes. we're pretty excited for that. Yeah. Uh, my name is Ben Dieterly, if we haven't met. And, uh, and alongside Christian Hessling. Christian Hessling. Christian's pretty cool. I mean, he's not as cool as he thinks he I is. I didn't tell him to say that, guys. It's not in our script today. So he, thanks, he's Ben. He's pretty cool. Yeah. yeah just, <laughs> just be careful. So pretty excited about uh, kind of jumping back into this. Last, yeah. last time what we did was we basically talked about two of the four parts uh, kind of from a book that you were talking about. Yes. Um, and what was the name of that book again? Just as, uh, as a reminder. Do you remember? Oh, yeah. It's uh, Richard Osmer's Practical Theology. Yeah, Practical yeah. Theology. And so basically what we did was uh, we talked about the first two parts, which I would sum up as kind of the curiosity. As, yep. uh, as students start to engage in culture, there's mm-hmm. kind of two parts to that of the curiosity that you should try and understand. Is The first is the descriptive task of what's going on. And then the second step is the interpretive task of why it's going on. Yeah. So those were the first two that we talked about. We also talked about the importance of why we should be understanding culture. Like we really yeah. need to jump into that. We need to engage in that because it's part of how students live. Like yeah. if we kind of disengage from the culture and we just completely ignore it on some level, we're also disengaging from our students and yep. our teenagers. So anyway, I'm excited to get kind of back into that. So, um, uh, by doing these steps, you know, those first two steps, asking the what question and the why question, we can equip ourselves to better interpret and understand teen culture. Today, we're getting into kind of three and four. Yeah, right? yeah. So the first two, as kind of Ben was saying, the first yeah. two are focused more on understanding teen culture because I think that's where it starts. Um, we have to do a good job at trying to understand their culture, and we won't always be able to do it perfectly. But if we can understand their culture, then we can better speak into and shape their culture. Uh, and so those were the first two questions. Today, we're covering uh, step three or question three and question four and these questions will help us actually be able to speak into their experience to shape a little bit uh, of their culture in some ways or hopefully kind of speak into what they're experiencing so that's what we're going to try and go through today yeah so here we go yeah so i don't know about you um but oftentimes the last thing i want to do is get involved (laughs) i mean like because sometimes like i look at teen culture sometimes as being very honest and so if you're a teenager listening to this this is me being honest (laughs) uh sometimes uh, teen culture is a bit confusing it's nuanced yeah uh it's messy and it's difficult and uh i think i don't speak entirely for myself maybe i speak for some other adults that gosh sometimes i just don't want to get involved yeah it's kind of like another planet it's intimidating and i like my planet yeah, 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 right. Um, but at the end of the day, um, we simply have to enter the world of our teenagers and journey with them through it. Our role, in part, is to help teach them to consume culture well. Um, and they're learning about culture, and the question is, are we teaching it to them or not? I got an email in my inbox this uh, past week that had a header. It was a question that I thought was uh, kind of had forced me to step back and think about it a little bit. Um, the quote said, and this is regarding to the topic of like teen dating and teen sex. And so the question was, if we are not talking with our teens about sex, mm. we're the only ones yeah. not talking with them about it. And yeah. so I thought, hey, I think the same applies to culture. So if we rewrote the quote, it might say, if we're not talking with our teens about culture, then we're the only ones not talking with them about it. 
because the reality is they're processing and communi- uh, consuming and being shaped by culture every day. And yeah. so our goal is to be a prominent voice that they can trust in that conversation. So our hope today is that we grab onto the reins and join the ride as we journey with them. Um, but before we get to step three and four today, those two questions that will help us respond to culture, I actually want to preface our conversation with something that's pretty important. I guess I'm going to call it step 2B. Oh, man. Christian's creating his own content. Now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This is not in the book. This is, <laughs> r- this is happening right now. Um, <laughs> So uh, just like anything in life, um, we have to consider where our, ki- our teenagers are at. So I'm one of five in my family. Uh, yeah. I was always a party growing up. <laughs> uh, Actually, fun fact, Christian is a uh, triplet. He's one true. of three. It's true, yeah. I never know how to tell people that because it just never comes up naturally. But it's, that was that really was natural a, It was then. even smooth That was great. Right? I, that wasn't planned. Yeah. We're just, we're just off the cuff here for yeah. some of this stuff, people. <laughs> yeah, so it's true. I'm a triplet. I'm the middle child with my... Uh, two triplet siblings. I'm sorry, I didn't hear you. What? I'm the middle child with my two. Oh, yeah. No, I heard you, but I was referencing the joke that the middle child is always like ignored. Oh, <laughs> sorry. Uh, Whatever. <laughs> see, sometimes we make stuff up up off the cuff and yeah. it doesn't go so well. Yeah, because I don't know Thanks, Christian. jokes. Guys. Thanks. Great. Um. So yeah. So I mean, my uh, I'm so different from my siblings. They're so different from me. We're all wired and um gifted in different ways, and we all think differently, which is great, right? It's not not a bad thing at all. Um. But I think uh, if we're going to respond to teen culture, we have to try and understand that all of our teenagers, uh, even you know, kids in the same family, are drastically different. And therefore, our response to our teenagers should reflect right. um, how they're wired, how they think, um, which is a hard task to do sometimes. Yeah. Um, but we see this. I remember when I was in college taking class on public speaking. Um, I was taking a class on uh, kind of public speaking and teaching, and one thing that the, they taught you is that you have to consider your audience. Yeah. If I'm, you know, if I'm preaching on a weekend, or if I teach, you know, if let's just say hypothetically I'm preaching in a Sunday service, or if I'm teaching children, I won't approach it the same way. Right. I right. will consider the audience and shape the my method will reflect that. The message will be the, exactly the same for the most part, but the method in which I deliver that um, will be entirely different. Um, and so it's in the same way parents don't communicate with their teenagers in the same way that they might communicate with their colleagues at work. Uh, and so I think in the way that we go about this conversation and the way at which we go about responding to teen culture should consider the audience. Yeah, and I think that – so I'm just kind of even thinking back to, to what you just said about like if we're not talking to our, our students specifically about sex, like that was the email yeah. that you got, like we're the only ones. And yeah. I think uh, kind of in the same regard, like the way that I heard it is that – you know, I think we always we always think about specifically the conversation with sex, but I think that yeah. it can also refer to, as we're talking about today, culture and yeah. so many different elements of, um, like we tend to think of those things as like one conversation, like yeah. when did you have the birds and the bees conversation? Yeah, yeah. The, the reality is, is that it's not a singular conversation. Oh, it's ongoing. Like yeah. it is an ongoing conversation because uh, the way that I uh, I forget who I heard this from, it was somebody much smarter than me, I'm sure, somebody that was working in ministry, and they said basically what you need to do is you need to think of kind of those conversations as like a backpack. And you have to know your student, your child well yeah, enough yeah. that 
you only give them as much as they can carry at the time. That's good. But as they grow and as they develop, as they get bigger, well, then their maturity level increases, their That's ability good. to maintain things increases, and so you then give them more of a weight. So it's a yeah. weight to, to you know, the illustration that they're using, it's a weight to carry, yeah. and you only give them what they can actually carry at a time. So I think yeah. that, that that's important when we're talking about culture, when it we're is. talking about, you know, having conversations with our students with, with things such as sex, which makes us really nervous yeah, and like maybe sweat, even yeah. blush and like, yeah. oh, my gosh, I have to do this. Yeah. Like, it's challenging, but it's, it's also – it's an ongoing conversation. Yeah. It's an ongoing relationship because – the reality is, is that they're talking about that on the bus, yeah, and they're talking yeah. about that in uh, in the hallways, and like, and a lot of them learn just, you know, we ha- they yeah. have access to everything in their phone, and so yeah. uh, I've heard it said that YouTube is a, a teacher nowadays. And yeah, that that's right. Kids just find things on YouTube or Instagram or some social platform, and that is they're consuming it, and yeah. that shapes their worldview and how they think about things. Um, and I love what you said, giving uh, students or teenagers what they need, uh, you know, in that moment, and right. I think that's where that's where it comes in. Uh, that's where we have to consider our audience yeah. uh, and I, I was uh, interested uh, too in this because um, Jesus did this exact same thing right, right. when he was uh, recruiting his disciples and teaching the masses uh, it, you know these were his different audiences and so he would use fishing metaphors to fishermen and right. agricultural right. metaphors to farmers uh, he spoke in a language that they understood and he entered their culture and understood his audience and this shaped his method again the method was kind of the same across the board um, but it shaped how he delivered it and so for us us to best speak into the experience of our teenagers, we need to understand where it is that they are at and then modify our own methods so that can, that conversation can be not only effective, but um, but it could help shape them, inform yeah. them. So um, I want to introduce a tool that I stumbled upon in a book, which helped me um, – Help me a lot, actually. I use this in ministry practice today. I use this in conversations that I have. Uh, even yesterday, I, sh- I changed the arrangement in our room to, because of this model, uh, how, how the students sit in our space uh, on a Wednesday night. And so, um, so I want to introduce kind of this tool. It's from a book called Growing With, and it's by Kara Powell and Stephen Argue. And they present three helpful categories, or maybe you could call them paradigms, um, for, um, for parent-teenager relationships. Okay. And if we can uh, see our students through these three paradigms and understand where it is that they fall on the spectrum, then we can better respond to um, okay. or better engage them when we respond to culture. And so I'll go over the three of them real quick, and we'll use, I'll use them a lot, not only in this episode, but just kind of in all episodes, because I really do think it's a very helpful way yeah. to kind of understand where our teenagers are at. And so again, these are three relational paradigms that do two things. I think they describe where our teenagers at and then they prescribe how it is that we engage with them. And so let me work through them real quick. There's three of them. The first one is the student and teacher paradigm. Um, and the way that this one works is uh, in the students, the teenagers are the student and we are the teacher. So it describes where they're at. Their role is to kind of receive knowledge and our role, what we ought to do is teach it to them. Um, so Ben, uh, you were my teacher That's right, at I was. one point in time. How do you think you did? <laughs> Uh, I don't, I, I honestly, scratches. what I was thinking is that I was like, should I, should I be arrogant in this yeah. or should I be like remorseful in this? Yeah. <laughs> Both. That's, that's literally what I was thinking. I'm like, oh, should I, should I make a joke or should yeah. I be serious? Like, yeah. and I, I just froze. So I think. I did both great and terrible. Yeah. I mean, we always do, right? That's why yeah. we're at the podcast today. Sometimes yeah, right. we do things great. Sometimes we don't do them. Sorry, I don't. froze there, guys. Yeah. It was like, uh, 
so, so deer this, in headlights. So this is the first, uh, the first paradigm of the student-teacher uh, model. Um, the best way to describe it is, again, they are the student. We are the teacher. We take the lead. We explain right. the what and the why, and we kind of lead, and they hopefully follow. Right. So imagine kind of you're, you're, you're walking uh, on a path. You are leading the way, and they are following, uh, following as well. And so that is the first uh, paradigm. The second one is the explore guide model. Um, and so this is kind of the idea of we walk side by side with them. Right. And I love right. uh, the image that kind of comes to mind. Imagine you're hiking through a forest. You've been in this terrain before. You're the guide. Uh, or sorry, you, yeah, you're the guide. And they are the explorer. And so we provide insight about, you know, the paths, the different ways that they could explore. They have autonomy. They're responsible now to hold their own backpack. Right. I don't have to hold it for them anymore. And so they have some responsibility. But then they also have a little bit of autonomy to say, hey, I think I want to explore this path. Right, and right. we can say, hey, this is what I know about that path and kind yeah. of provide insight uh, in that regard. Um, we know the terrain well, uh, and we invite them to kind of explore a little bit. But again, we kind of warn them about what we know about this space, too. Um, and so uh, the, the kind of image there is we're walking side by side. I'm no longer walking in front and they're following, but we are now walking next to each other uh, and doing the journey uh, together in that way. And so um, some leading questions. Uh, so as a, a guide to the explorer, instead of teaching them and saying, this is what I know, this is what, what and why you should know this, um, I might start to ask leading questions and get them to think and get them to ponder the situation a bit more themselves. And now I'm not giving them all of the answers, but right. I'm, I'm asking questions that help them think and form their own processes right, right. so that they can eventually one day be able to process it uh, in the same way. So yeah. that's uh, yeah, step two. I think think that's good and we're we're going to get to the third one there but i feel like this is also uh, again I'm, I'm not a parent but i feel like this is probably exactly what it feels like to be a parent right like you're going from the the teacher student do this why because that's what you need to do you need to be obedient in that and then in the explorer guide it's probably more the teenagers are mm -hmm. starting to figure it out on their own yeah and then kind of in this third step um which i'll just give away now is the, yeah, is the, <laughs> the focus are in the resource and it's because i have these pretty little show notes in front of me yeah. um <laughs> like in that it's it's more those young adult years right yeah. like so i think that it's good and, and, and yeah so tell us about that third part. yeah so the focus are in the resource and so this is the idea this is where we want all of our teenagers to eventually end up as right. they as they become young adults is that they are honing in they're focusing in on what they want to do in life their gifts their talents who they are that identity identity formation process right. and now we're just resourcing them we are present and available for anything they need um, the I kind of wrote down we have their back and so right. instead right. of walking side by side with them now they are kind of leading the way there in front and we're supporting them from behind we are just encouraging them and cheering them on and so um, so an example is you know I'll wait for if, if, if someone is in this stage then we just kind of wait and we are available whenever they need us as a resource right. and they we invite them hey if you have questions if i could do anything for you let me know um but i'm cheering you on and so at that point they're almost almost entirely autonomous and again yeah. i think that's what the goal of these processes are um is to uh help them grow into young adults who are autonomous and independent um, yeah. but of course in community as well so and i think what's interesting so you asked you know how i did as a teacher what's interesting is that as i look at this this list i feel like i've seen each one of those phases like yeah. so there's been three 
specific times that for the Christian Life Center that Christian has worked for us. And I feel like each of those times was a different model. Like, yeah. So the first time that he interned with us, it was kind of that student teacher. It's like, okay, Christian, here's what we want you to do. It was yeah. myself and another youth director. We were, we were kind of very specific. Here's the, the singular task we want you yeah. to do. Like, and then when he's done that task, okay, here's the next task. Yeah. And then the second time that he interned with the church was like, okay, Christian, I'm giving you the keys to the youth ministry the entire summer, 10 weeks or 12 weeks, yeah. whatever it was. It's like, hey, you're in charge and you're responsible. Yeah. And now kind of that third part where we've hired you full time, I feel like I am in that focuser and resource of going, Christian doesn't really need much help. But, dude, if you need something, yeah. let me know. I'm, yeah. I'm right there for you. So it's interesting to see, or, or at least from my eyes, to be able to experience that because I, I feel like it's a similar path. Like yeah. as we're talking about parenting, I'm going, okay, also can be mentoring or working with teenagers in, yep. in whatever level, like if that's on a football team or if that's on, you know, you've got young teenagers that are working for you. Like, I feel like there's, there's certain steps and roles that it, yep. whether it's parenting or something else that it just seems to fit, fit into. Yeah. And so that's our task before we jump into step three and four is parents. We have to, uh, and, and teachers and leaders, we just have to evaluate where we think our teenager is at m- maturity levels, right? And developmentally, where are they at uh, in this paradigm, in this model? And then we respond accordingly um, because the goal, again, is to help our teenagers grow and thrive and become independent. And so this model reflects that intended progress where they're growing towards complete autonomy and independence. And so our hope is just to kind of move them along along um, and sometimes help them get to the next level. And we play a huge part in that. So uh, so if I have a student that I'm wanting to grow, uh, I will still have to engage them as if they were an explorer. Um, but uh, so like if I had a, yeah, a student, the first level, if I wanted them to grow to explore, I treat them sometimes like uh, the, right. the explorer guide model. Um, but sometimes I still might have to default back to the, yeah. um, the student teacher model. And that's the hardest part about this whole process is that it is not fixed. Yeah, right. <laughs> it may fluctuate. It's actually right. very fluid sometimes depending on what's happening in life, depending on what's going on. And so some days your kid might be a student that needs to be taught. Uh, other days they might be an explorer that needs some guidance. Um, and that's all right. That's relatively normal, but your goal is to figure out which one works when, and then to respond accordingly, which is not an easy task, but if, if it can be done, it really helps how we can engage with students and respond to them. Yeah. And just again, I feel like maybe it's worth repeating, but I feel like how you go from student to explore is really by part of, part of it, the questions, right? Like if I can ask an engaging question that tries to get them to think about that process, well, then hopefully I'm, I'm getting them to move from just a student being told what to do yeah. to an explorer that, well, what do you think you should be doing? Yeah. And yeah. it engages them in that process. Yeah. And then hopefully with enough of those explorer kind of questions, yeah. they begin to move towards, uh, I think it was the focuser. I want to make yeah. sure that I got that right. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, so – yeah, hopefully yeah. that's a tool that kind of helps in that process. I am pretty yeah. anxious to jump into three. Yes. Um, so we started, uh, again, the last episode, we were talking about kind of the what and the why. So yep. that was step one was kind of what is going on. Yeah, and what's step- the cultural artifact they're yeah. consuming? What are they doing? Like, how are they behaving, right? Yep. Yep. And step two was the why of that. So. Yep. Um, yeah, so let's jump into kind of part three and then yeah. four of that. Yep. So step three. So the, again, these last two steps are how we respond to their yeah. culture. Um, so uh, in grad school, one of my professors put it that this third step is the most important step, yet it's often the most neglected step. Mm-hmm. Um, and so uh, so that's why we're going to harp on that for a couple minutes. And so the third step, which Osmer calls the normative task, uh, which is all about defining the norm, uh, we ask the question, what ought to be going on? 
hmm. what ought to be going on. Yeah. Um, so we know what is happening. We know why it's happening. Now we have to define what should be happening right now. Because I think what a lot of times happens is like we just jump to the you know, action steps. We just respond yeah. or react. Um, but I think we have to define, okay, what should be going on? And this is one of the most important uh, steps because this is where our values and our beliefs come in. This is where our theology comes in. Right. If I have you know, things that I really truly hold tight to, we want these beliefs to shape the experience. We want what we believe about our teenagers, what we want for them. We want that to shape how it is that we respond. And so that's why we ask this question, okay, what ought to be going on? Uh, and this goes back to, um, and this is where values come in. If we remember from the last episode, Raymond Williams, uh, we were talking about him and his quote in the book, The Long Revolution, that culture is a particular way of life, which expresses certain meanings and values. And so here we are in this third step, defining our values. We're saying, this is what we do value, and when we declare what we do value, we are also saying we're also implying what it is that we do not value. Right. Um, and so that's a really important, uh, really important step. This is where our beliefs, our convictions, our values, our worldview, our theology come into play uh, to shape the experience as it should be. And so uh, Ben and I shared some fun, silly, ridiculous stories uh, <laughs> in the last uh, episode. So if you want to hear the full stories that we've been using, kind of as our case studies, uh, head back to episode two yeah. um, to check those out. But in brief, uh, I, I was t sharing a, a moment where when I was young, I threw s snowballs at uh, cars to impress a girl. Uh, and then I finally hit a, a 50 foot vehicle, which is a school bus. Because <laughs> uh, again, I need a massive target to be able to hit or I'll just And again, I it. think this is worth repeating, but Christian wasn't very athletic yeah. in, his, <laughs> in his middle school years. Yeah. <laughs> That's a, an important detail <laughs> here. Um, yeah. So, and so when, when we went through the first two questions, we identified what it is that was going on. We identified it. I was engaging in risky behavior uh, and I didn't have any uh, kind of any adults present with me. And so, um, and then secondly, we identified why it is that that was happening. And uh, I thought, I mentioned in the last episode that I wanted admiration and acknowledgement, just right. like, you know, anyone. But actually, right after we finished, or shortly after we finished uh, recording last week, I, I stepped further into step two. And I actually had this kind of like moment where I'm like, oh my gosh, that's why I did that. Um, and so I thought I'd share that. It would be better in episode two, but I'm going to share it now. Um, I think the real reason why I did that is... Um, I really struggled in middle school and high school with thinking that um, my actions uh, were the sum of my like my value. Right. So the sum of my actions gave me value. So if I wanted to um, be a great kid, I'd excel, uh, do all these things. But I just thought, uh, you know, I have to perform to have worth. Yeah. And so in this moment, and, and I struggled, this led to kind of anxiety and stress in me in high school to the point where I actually did get counseling because right. it was just so much. And so I thought that my value and my worth were based on my performance. And so I think when I dig a little deeper, that's really the answer to question two for my story right. is that I, I needed to feel worthy. I needed to feel worth. And so mm -hmm. to do so, I had to act and, and do things that brought that value and worth to my life. So, yeah. um, so then and step three, for me, what ought to be going on, um, what we have to understand is, okay, a Christian, you know, we're not based on our actions, like our value is not based on our actions. And so if I were responding to young Christian, if I was young Christian's teacher, 
I would say, let's create a space where this is not what you believe. Like, let's create, uh, let's get you plugged in a community um, that uh, believes that you're not the sum of your actions, but right. you are, um, you're valued because you're a child of God, right? right, right. Uh, and so let's keep you in this community and let that be the narrative that rules in your life. Uh, and then you won't feel the need in all of these other instances um, to try and work for uh, admiration or work for acknowledgement, acknowledgement, but just to be and, and be loved, right? Um, by God, be loved by community, right? And so if I could define a step three, um, the ideal situation would be let's create these spaces where the narrative changes for a Christian right. um, so that he doesn't think in that way. So that's that's for me for step three. Did you have anything yeah, you wanted to add for you? So I, I feel like I kind of pulled my, my example out of a hat, and it was basically a time – um, one of many, I should say, that I like just kind of was compulsive, just kind of jumped out of a chair, broke like uh, a rocking or jumped out of a rocking chair and broke like a fish tank. And, yeah. <laughs> and for me, I think it does go back to and I, I kind of shared that I was diagnosed with ADHD, which is attention deficit hyperactive disorder. And I think in that part of the what ought to be and, and I feel like my dad especially did a pretty good job of this of just kind of teaching and training like knowing what ought to be and really what what it kind of came down to was a, a compulsive like I just I do things without thinking or without um, uh, really kind of considering it so I feel like my dad was was really good at teaching and instructing of going Ben hey you got to think before you act yeah. you got to think before you speak um, and I think it was he, almost innately like he knew what ought to be. And I, I feel like that might even transition now I think is a good time as I'm sitting here and listening yeah. to that third step, what ought to be going on. I think there's some level that for parents, uh, especially, and this is the challenge as we go from student teacher to uh, to guide, explore, explore, yeah. guide. Like this is what's challenging because a student teacher is – if you see, and I know that I'm taking this into an example of like touching a hot stove, we're talking about culture, yeah. so it maybe doesn't connect as greatly as it, it should, but this is just what I'm thinking. Yeah. Like certain things you just know that they shouldn't do. Yep. Like, so I get that, that desire to react. Like you're not going to let a baby or a toddler touch a hot stove because yeah. it's going to burn. Yeah. And so you, you jump in there and you try and correct. Yeah. I feel like my personality type is that. And maybe it's not even personality. Maybe it's yeah. just I've grown to a point where I know what my values are. I've yeah. become older. I'm no longer in my middle school, my high school years where yeah. I'm trying to formulate that. But as an adult, I know what my values are. And I'm I'm pretty quick to go, man, I know what ought to be and what not ought to be. But I think that that's the important part of what we're talking about is that as you get your students to go from teacher, from student teacher to explorer guide – it's being able to, even if it's not in that order of going what, why, and then what ought to be, yeah. maybe it's then, even if it's a corrective, like, let me tell you not to do that. Now let me explain the what and the why. Like, yeah. help me understand. Yeah. So I don't, I guess I'm just thinking through this step three, because I think for some of us that what ought to be could be a step that we really have to think and go, okay, let me figure this out. I've yeah. got to think through. But then some of us are just reactionary or maybe not even reactionary. We just instinctively know. Yep. And, and part of that is my personality on the Enneagram. Like just, uh, you know, uh, that's my, I'm a one I'm driven in that <laughs> way. Uh, kind of the one personality type is yeah. the perfectionist and the person that uh, kind of has a sense of what Eden was like, even though yeah. I've never been to yeah. Eden, <laughs> like well, I have a sense and I just Picture, know yeah. like, and so I wonder, I, I don't know. I just, yeah. I, don't, I don't know if there's a question in that as much as I'm yeah. thinking through it, I'm going, Man, these steps are important, but it 
doesn't necessarily mean that step three doesn't happen first. Yeah. I think you're kind of inquiring about um, sometimes there might be instances where we kind of inherently know. And yeah. Yeah. So we'll actually, in, uh, in our next episode, we'll be coming with some practical tips okay. on uh, on these things. Like yeah. what if there's an instance where like you don't need these four steps, like, and you just bypass it? Because there are instances right. that I think that where it's warranted that yeah. you have yeah. to kind of react pretty quickly. Um, but yeah, if you're kind of, if you're thinking the same question, if you're kind of on the same wavelength as Ben in that regard, um, check out our next episode because we actually go into into depth about okay about that too that's really good um yeah so i mean this is that's the third question i think we you know even have to do the same for us as adults um uh you know i think sometimes uh parents feel like their value as a parent or their work as a parent is contingent on their performance um and the hope of course is that we're always growing that's why we have this podcast um but we have to remember you know our value as an adult isn't dependent on this nominal you know uh this this factor of how perfect we are because you know no one's perfect. Yeah. Just newsflash. Um, or you know, nominal factors like income or prestige or um, who you are at your best or who you are at your worst. I think our values so much more than that. So um, so we have to go back to these deepest values, these deepest beliefs that we hold and let them shape the paradigm yeah. at which we are trying to arrive. And so once we've done that, we've identified what has happened. We're identifying why it's happening. So again, what, like, why are they consuming this media? Right. Why are they listening to this song? Why are they acting in this way? Um, why it's happening? Uh, you know, yeah, I guess I just said that. Uh, and then, uh, and then define what ought to be happening. So yeah. like, what ought to be happening in this situation where they're consuming music that is just kind of cringe worthy, right. or right. what ought to be happening when they're engaging in risky behavior? Uh, right. And again, a lot of this stuff we might know r- really quickly, but let's think a little deeply about it. Like, what really ought to be happening, and how can I make my values? and deepest beliefs come to life in this situation, right? And so this brings us to the final step of the process. Yeah, here we go. Step four. Uh, This is the final step, which Osmer calls the strategic or the pragmatic task. Mm. It's a fun word. I know. I I actually only include these words, so I sound super smart. You do sound super smart. Yeah, yeah. I I feel like (laughs) my job is to, to, to make it easier for everyone to else. ham it up a little bit. Yeah. yeah my yeah. job is to go pragmatic. <laughs> yeah. Pragmatic. Wow. <laughs> anyway. Um, and so the question that we ask here uh, is how might we respond? And so okay. we defined how should it look like? And now how do we put the rubber to the road? Yeah. How do we make that paradigm, you know, that image that we just did in step three, how do we make that come to life in step four? So, so let me ask this question. I don't, I don't know if this is a question that you can answer. How quickly can steps one through four happen? Like, I feel like we're, we're taking our time, obviously, and we're diving into yeah. it, trying to explain it well, trying to explain the what, the why, and what ought to be. And yeah. And then step four of, of how should we respond? But I, I feel like it doesn't like, I don't know. Is there a suggestion on like yeah, how much know. time you should um, spend in that? Because I feel like if you can really quickly move through yeah. these things, like that feels natural to do that. Yeah. Like this needs to happen. And because of that, this this is how I should respond. Yeah. I mean, I think it's always circumstantial. Yeah. So, uh, you know, for example, if a kid's doing push up in the road, like push ups right. in the road, like we talked about last right, time, right. you probably know pretty quickly, uh, what Get that process would look like. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Like define, like you're, you're risking your safety. Right. Yeah. But then for something else, like, gosh, why, uh, why does my student or why does my teenager think they have to, um, be online all the time? Right. right? right. So that's a little deeper because, uh, you have to kind of parse through, okay, why is it that they're online? Are they right. looking for community? How do we create that? 
that community for them. So I think it's probably circumstantial in that regard that you have to think like some things might be quicker than others. And it's just kind of identifying those things in the moment. And then I think the more we practice it, it'll come a bit more naturally, um, just like anything in life. Um, So it just might take a little little bit of time in that regard. But but yeah, so we've kind of done all this work to to get to uh, step four. which is the most important task. You could do the first three and then do nothing and nothing's right. changed. Right. And so this is how we respond to teen culture. It's when we make our values, right? Uh, that, that paradigm that we defined in step three come to life in step four. Um, and so going back to kind of my story, my example, um, what I, you know, what would be necessary is there needs to be discipline because I was throwing snowballs at cars. There's a risk in that. And so I would need someone, if I were, if I were going back in time to discipline myself, you know, I'd have a conversation and explain why it is that my behavior was um, uncalled for, right. unnecessary, dangerous, risky, and the severity of that. And even, you know, with that, I would punish myself. <laughs> like, right, right. I would say, hey, this is this is what we're going to do, and this is why we're doing it. And I feel like it's important, like, that's not a lecture, right? Yeah, like, yeah. a lecture is kind of a one-sided, like, you will do this, you won't do this, this is why. Yeah. Like, but a conversation is a little bit more level-headed is kind of yep. what I would think. Yeah, yeah. And you're, you're trying to engage them. That doesn't mean that they actually engage. Yeah, right? it's like, true. And that's that, the hard part about the process. Yeah, that's yep. a difficult part. It doesn't yeah. mean that they actually engage back and they're like, you're right, mom. Yeah. I did do bad. Like they're not, <laughs> they're probably not going to respond that way. Like, but it's just the, it's not a lecture, but yeah. it's just a conversation of going, Hey, I want you to understand. Like, yeah. I feel like, and that was something that my parents did well. Like yeah. I, anytime that I was disciplined, there was never confusion as to why I was disciplined. Yeah. Yeah. It doesn't mean that I liked the why. Yep. It doesn't mean that I agreed with the why, mm-hmm. but there was always an explanation of it. And as, as I grew and as an adult, I'm going, man, I really value my parents, parents discipline because they, they explained it. I I wasn't confused. It wasn't like they just lashed out. Um, but they made sure that I understood. Yeah. And so that's really important is to kind of create that dialogue in the space where they're learning, because again, we want them to grow into, uh, you know, young adults that are focusers and we're the resources. And so Every moment is a teaching moment. Yeah. Uh, we want to explain why. And so if I could go back in time, I'd say, hey, Christian, this is why what you did is really risky and dangerous. Right. Um, let me explain that. And let's go into de- detail about that. But then also, you know, I'm, I'm you're going to be punished. You're going to be grounded or right. um, because this is how severe this is. And we want to make sure it doesn't happen again. Uh, so someone disciplining me, that should have ha- that that needs to happen. Right. Uh, and then creating conversation about, uh, you know, so now what? Why did why did you do this? I know you did it for acknowledgement and to be admired and because you think your your value is based off of your performance and so let's try and let's try and do something that will change that narrative for you and so maybe uh plugging me into a community uh that that would have been their narrative and it's not like i i lived in a narrative or lived in a community that said you're worth what you you do uh, i think that's more of just a narrative of the world and we see that through like grades and income and accolades and stuff like that and so i think it was just a natural like thing that most people wrestle with at some point right, uh, right. or another um and so it's just plugging me into a community that's very intentional at creating a narrative that says, Hey man, at this place, like you're not, uh, based on like your values, not based on how you live or how you act, of course. Right. Um, 
of course, we're striving to grow and striving to, to um, be sanctified, as we kind of talk about in the church. But, um, but your value is not based on that. Your value right. is because you are a child of God, right? Yeah, I think that community part is such a critical part Like yes. to just find acceptance and love in that. I think that's huge. Yeah. And so if I could do the fourth step for me after defining what should be happening for a young Christian, I'd have that conversation of discipline, probably punish him um, and explaining why I'm punishing him. And then I'd say, hey, let's get you involved in a community where you don't think this way. Right, let's right. Write that narrative for you. And so it's very pragmatic uh, action steps to do um, to shape that experience so that hopefully I'm not throwing more snowballs right, right. at cars and buses anymore. Yeah. So, and yeah. I, I feel like for my example, I, I don't know if punishment would be needed because it was an accident, but it's mm-hmm. just, as I already alluded to, like I think those conversations of going, hey, you got to think before you do things, you know, instead of just acting on compulsion, yeah, like, yeah. hey, put some thought into that. And yeah. I, again, I feel like my dad just really taught me well yeah. in that. And then it's funny because I felt like I became my dad as I was in, in youth pastor. Yeah, yeah. Like I was a youth pastor. I felt like my my main thing that I felt like I was telling students all the time was like, guys, you got to think before you act and you got to think before you speak. He told me that like every day, guys. Yeah. <laughs> it, 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 a like, lot of good it, it did, didn't but work. whatever. <laughs> so yeah. I, I, we do, I am kind of looking at the time. We yeah. want to try and be mindful mindful of, yeah. of, of the time. So you do have some disclaimers. So yeah. So those are the four steps in total. Yeah. So um, just to recap, it was the what? Yes. It was the why? Yep. It was what ought to be yep. and what needs to happen. To make right? it happen. Like, yes. Yeah. So those are the four steps. They will look different in just about any situation. Um, and again, it takes practice. Uh, just a reminder, in a couple episodes, we'll actually be taking some cultural artifacts. Like I was thinking, let's take a Billie Eilish song. She's a okay. very popular singer nowadays that our young people just love. Yeah. Let's do this process with that. Maybe we could talk about TikTok or some of these challenges that are going on. So we'll actually take some of these. Um, we'll take these four steps and apply them to things that are happening in the world today. And so that will be in a couple episodes. But um, we just kind of wanted to wrap up this episode with some disclaimers about yeah. this process, um, just to clarify uh, what it is and what it isn't and some other things. So um, the first thing I wanted to mention is rest assured, you can do everything absolutely right. You can walk through these four steps yeah. and totally kill it. Um, but the outcome still might not be what you want. Right. And it stinks, right? It's so hard when we're doing everything right by the book. or right, right. But sometimes things just don't uh, land the way that we want them to. And so I just want to encourage you guys, give yourselves grace. Um, don't be so hard on yourselves. Uh, you know, I could throw snowballs and we could do this whole process and I could still throw snowballs afterwards. Right. <laughs> and so we just have to give ourselves grace. Cause I think this, this, this dialogue and this process is much more nuanced than we ever give credit. Right. And so, gosh, you guys are doing an awesome job. Um, just your being here speaks volumes about what you're trying to do. Um, and so give yourself grace when the process doesn't go as it should. Yeah. Um, so that's the first thing. The second thing, do you want to take that? Sure. Uh, the second thing is the process takes practice. Yeah. Um, all good things in life really take practice. Like mm-hmm. you don't get to be a good athlete by just showing up and, and just kind of going, okay, I turn it on come game time. Yeah. It takes practice to do that. Um, and as you kind of already alluded to that in episode five, we're going to do some case studies. Yep. So we're looking forward to that. So this is currently episode three yeah. and it's part two of culture. So in episode five, which is not the next one, but the one after that, yes, we will be doing some case studies and kind of taking a look at that. Yeah. Um, like you said, some artists there, uh, the jumping challenge, which we yeah. even talked about last week in yeah. our last episode, I shouldn't say last week. It was the last episode. Mm-hmm. Um, 
and our goal is to understand, not just to understand, but to respond to these cultural phenomena. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. And then the last thing I want to kind of say is a disclaimer. Um, the process doesn't always work. Uh, and I know it's similar to the first one, but I uh, just want to expound a little bit more. There are dozens of factors that play into this whole dialogue, this process, like trust, honesty, temperament, attitude, right. the temperature of the room, hangriness, like how hangry is someone, <laughs> uh, and who won the football game the night before, right? Uh, sometimes the process may not be the most uh, effective thing in the moment. Uh, sometimes a response may not fit the confines of this four-step process because right. kids are wildly different, yeah. and it may uh, warrant varying responses. And so I know you guys as parents are thinking, yay, so much fun, so predictable. I love being a parent. Like, <laughs> That's just kind of the journey, right? And that's why I love the word journey because we are kind of we're continuing to learn, continuing to grow. Uh, yeah, for a very long time. Yeah, so um, hang in there. Like, try yeah. and use this as a tool in yeah. your arsenal of tools. Like, if this can help, fantastic. Yeah, press on. Uh, yeah. We encourage you guys. Uh, yeah, that's kind of the sum of the four-step process to not only understand culture but to respond to culture. Yeah. So kind of as we do wrap up, I just do want to remind you that um, if you're interested in helping us kind of with the case studies, you've got questions, uh, you've got some thoughts, we want to encourage you that you can email us. Um, you can even help us shape kind of what we talk through. Uh, and then you can do that by emailing us at thewell at clcfamily.church. Any questions, comments, thoughts, considerations, like anything you got, honestly, we'd love to hear hear from you and help shape the narrative of that. You can also follow us. Um, we'll, we'll give you two things. Uh, follow us on Instagram and that's at the dot well dot podcast. Mm -hmm. And then on Facebook, you can find us at, at the well podcast one. And that's all one word, the well podcast one. So, yep. um, we'd love for you guys to follow us and it, it'll also let you know when we drop the next episode yeah. and when the next one after that is, uh, we're trying to put some good content together. Christian's yeah. doing a great job of, of marketing that. So right. yeah, there's, there's some stuff that we think will be beneficial for you. Yeah. And speaking of next episode, usually yeah. what we're trying to get into the habit of doing actually is trying to release an episode every Wednesday, but today you're in luck. Yeah, because we are releasing two episodes. Boom! And so that if you're listening, yeah, I know, I know. If you're listening to this episode, uh, you know, if it dropped today or whenever you're listening to it, there's another episode immediately available right. um, to listen to because we wanted to talk a lot about a lot more in this episode, but right. we want to honor your, your time and try not to make it too long. And so in this next episode, um, which I guess is podcast episode number four. And it's going to be part three of our conversation, and it's going to be teen culture takeaways. And so in this episode, we're simply going to go through some pr other practical things um, that could help shape this four-step process, some practical things that might be helpful to consider as we engage in teen culture because it's not an easy task and it's very nuanced. And so um, we could always kind of use some uh, extra tips and things to use in that process. So that's available today uh, and we hope you will check it out. Yeah. So we want to say thanks for joining us, guys. We appreciate you being here and uh, hope to catch you at the next well. Yeah. Thanks for hanging with us at the well. We'll see you soon. See you guys.